This episode of That Record Got Me High is sponsored by Is This Tomorrow? Is This Tomorrow, a weekly webcomic, features absurdist humor and seriously silly amusement keyed to the sophisticated palate of discerning listeners like you. Since migrating online in 2003, Is This Tomorrow has always been absolutely free with no annoying advertising or paywalls. Visit isthistomorrow.com. You'll find hours of archived entertainment, hundreds of comics to distract from work, responsibilities, or just the existential pain of being alive. Dig through the archive for special Halloween comics, autobiographical strips, and even some in Anaglyph 3D. And check out our Society6 merch page for lots of Is This Tomorrow swag. Society6 forward slash Is This Tomorrow. New strip every Monday, now in color. IsThisTomorrow.com Welcome to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And oh man, we had, a, we had a, a lot of fun last week. We did our first live thing at Laser Wolf it and great. it was a blast. I was want to thank Chuck Livid, want to thank Laser Wolf. Yes. I'll thank uh, And we're going to be doing this every month. Once a month, we're going to do the like, live uh, thing It seems like, well, we've got another one scheduled, so we'll be having done it twice. <laughs> and people came out and they had a really did. good time, it so it was fun. And I got to drink some, we got to drink some very uh, tasty beer. That oh, was, yeah, that's uh, right. Um, that's right. Bonus. So uh, It was a bonus. It was and, win-win uh, all around. And, all right, so uh, before we go any further, yeah. something about that, though, I, I have a mea culpa that i have to do Uh-oh. this is our first official mea culpa Oops. i can't believe we've gone this long without Whoops. having to do one what did we do my daughter Corey, calls uh-huh. me the next day and basically she said she had to call me out on my bullshit Uh-oh. <laughs> i'm sure that's never happened before <laughs> so here's basically the bullshit that she called me out i did i i said that um she had contacted me that she was excited we were doing it and yeah. that she was a bikini kill fan which right. is all true but I also kind of joked about the fact that, oh, I can't believe she's actually interested in something I do she's never interested in, oh. and that was that was That was too far. Because my daughter, well, because it's actually not true. My daughters, I have two daughters, Corey and Samantha, and they're both actually interested in things I do, and they show interest, and they're very supportive, actually. They don't always like everything I do, right? But they're but they're very uh, supportive. So I was doing that. Well, no one likes everything you do, Rob. It's so it, well, <laughs> you need to get you. over that. You need to. Uh, <laughs> All right, so but I I did the old comedian thing like if, if it's if, if something if you're either going to go truthful or yeah. funny you go funny of course <laughs> but I, all right so I'm making a a vow right now no more bullshit I'm going to say if I say something I'm not going to go for funny I'm just going to say it is Barry I'm sure will supposed to give you his his bullshit I'm sure about, the bullshit about was, what I don't know you're not going to bullshit about anything I'm not going to bullshit about no no I, I'm making a vow to all my listeners that I'm done with the bullshit I because wish I got talked called. about this beforehand. <laughs> No, no, well, it's just me. You could, you could keep with the bullshit, but um, I want to see. I want to. I, I believe this. So I apologize, but I apologize to Corey. So she you're was not gonna absolutely use, right. You're not going to be hyperbolic. You're not going to say, "Oh, you're going. You're not going to go up, above and beyond." Well, you're going to try. Let's not get carried away. All right. Well, you're the one that brought it up. <laughs> all right. Well, let's. Uh, so, all right. So I'm excited. How I was thinking. How awesome is it? We did uh, a bikini kill last week. Right. We did angry Samoans before, and right. now we're doing. What are we doing, Barry? Uh, Elton John, Where's Captain the- Fantastic, and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. Yes, we are. And uh, it's great. I, I, I mean, this this record, I'm going to say right off the bat, it has a really special uh, special meaning for me. came out in 1975, and I, I remember I went out and bought it when it came out. So I was 12 years old. Wow. I had gotten – this was before – 1975 was before I started – I uh, found out about punk and discovered uh, punk. Oh, right, right. So, but I was still buying records. I had the El- I had an Elton John um, Greatest Hits record. Okay. And then this record came out, and I went out and got it, and I just I, I just love this record. And I, so I, I, that's why I'm asking you, Barry, because – I know you're not like a huge Elton John fan. That would be correct. Right. So I want to know, is it just, do I love this because I'm, because I, I got into it when I was 12 and I'm sentimental and it meant so much to me, or is it still great? Is it a, is it as great a record as I feel like it is? Here's, here's how I'm going to, I'll put this in a context that I've used before. And that is, um, that there are bands there are litmus test bands, and then there are bands that are not a litmus test, and that you either lo- you either things that you love that other people don't love but are still great, 
And then there are things that other people love that suck. So <laughs> this is not a litmus test record. Elton John is not a litmus test artist. He is he's fantastically talented, and he's uh, an incredible. Uh, he and Bernie Taupin are incredible pop songsmiths. Right. But um, that said, I'm going to put you know this in the same category that I'll put you know uh, other things of that ilk where I'm like, okay, I have a lot of friends that love Elton John and I have a lot of friends that love the Grateful Dead. Right. Those are not things and you know what you have a lot of friends that like Frank Zappa and you have a lot of friends that like jazz and And it's not my cup of tea. It's so not it's your just cup not Elton's not your cup of tea. You, you could absolutely appreciate the the craft I and the songwriting. Can appreciate but the it's craft, not your cup of tea. But it is not my cup of tea. <laughs> and um that's that's great. That's that's fair. That's as fair as you can get. But and also I will say uh, all right, um Captain Fantastic this was his ninth studio album. Right. Uh, which is a lot I mean uh, yeah, that's a shit ton of records. He did, and but he put out yeah, and, uh, because um, uh, so this was and and this record was used actually. I saw it. it this was the it first was, record. Yeah. This was the first record to de- debut at number one on the U.S. Billboard charts. It was yeah. the first record to ever do that. Yeah, and it sold 1.4 million copies in its first four days of its release. Yeah, he was by that time he was he was a, huge. He was uh, huge. Goodbye and Yellow Brick Road came out with the was uh, no no before this was actually he did uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road was the one that sort of made him. Him, uh, you made him a superstar, right? That album, that album was like a, a, a greatest hits record because it yeah. had like so many, uh, so many, so many hits on it. Right. Uh, Benny and the Jets, Funeral for Friends, Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting. It had, um, and then, and then he did after that. He, they did like a really quick record that they sort of threw out called Caribou. But even that had uh, "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me," which is right. like a great Huge. song. Yeah. It's a really yeah, yeah. good song. But but this record, uh, I, I'm I'm gonna say as much as I love Elton John, this is the last record of his I ever bought, uh. and, and I, I I think it's fair to say it could be his last great record. I don't I, uh, I guess after was this. not. Yeah, you know the thing is, I don't think Elton John is one of these guys that didn't age age as good as other artists did, and and right. I was trying to figure it out why. Um. Well, he continued to write with Bernie Taupin, correct? They were still yes. a partnership? Yeah, yeah. They, they um, did. So 1975, you put out this, uh, your uh, record that encapsulates all, that you talk about all your early experiences with together. Up and, yes, yeah, starting from the beginning right. and up until now, up until making it. They made right. it. And I feel like he kind of like, okay, this is it. I made it. Right. I'm a superstar. And then just What do kind you of, go from there? That's it. And what you do is you just wear right. uh, fabulous clothes and you go to fabulous well, yeah, parties. Yeah, he was become, he became a superstar and he became known for those, those things in st- as much as he became known for right. the the songwriting and the and the incredible and piano also, playing and performance, yeah, and he didn't, and I feel like he didn't evolve like some older artists like uh, Bob Dylan. Of course, we 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 can't do an episode without mentioning yeah, Bob, Dylan. Bob Dylan. But uh, he's one of these guys that 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 grew into himself, and he changed yeah. like the way you know he sings. You can hardly he hardly sings anymore, right? But he were, and I felt like Elton always try. Even now, he'll Continues try and sing, try, yeah. and he can't. He no. can't. He can't do it at all. The way he sang, uh, the way he sang when he was younger. He made the. He was uh, uh, twenty eight years old when this record came out. Right. So, and uh, I think after this record, like really? he basically twenty eight, and he'd made nine albums. By yeah, the age yeah. Twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. So but they were cranking them out pretty quickly, though, right? They, they were. He met. Okay, so here's here's the here's the quick encapsulated story sure, about sure. John. He met. Uh, he started working with Bernie Taupin in uh, 67, 1967. Okay. They both answered an advertisement in the New Musical ex- uh, Express. An Emmy, yeah. Emmy, about looking for songwriters. So they both right. answered, and um, Ray Williams, at, uh, at, uh, who was uh, A&R manager for Liberty Records, he gave uh, Dwight, which uh, Elton's name, his name was... Uh, Reginald Kenneth Dwight was his actual name. Yeah, I he can't wasn't imagine why he changed that. He gave him uh, an unopened envelope of lyrics written by Bernie Taupin because he wasn't crazy about Elton. Oh, he said, "Oh, this guy's good. He's a good musician, but he he uh, can't write lyrics." So he gave him these lyrics by Bernie Taupin, who was strictly a lyric writer. Right. And 
who had answered and then they and then he uh dwight immediately took the music and and wrote music for the lyrics and gave it to Toppin, and that became okay the beginning of them and then they so they were writing but they were writing for other people right they, they were like was um, there an english equivalent of the braille building that they were yes exactly it was and they were writing like uh, moderate hits for yeah, other okay. artists yeah, and, sure. and that's all covered in this this captain fantastic and the browns are cowboys basically okay you know it, it, it covers all of this yeah i read about that but i didn't wasn't able to uh, you know, go fully into that, but I, I understood <laughs> right. that it is an autobiographical right. album, and that they work together on on some of the lyrics and music of this, right? So it's not all top and lyrics and and Elton John really? songs. I don't know. Did did you read that somewhere? I, mean, because... I think Susan. I think my wife was talking about it. <laughs> I think basically Bernie Taupin. I, I don't know if he even plays an instrument or not, but he's okay. basically lyrics. I think basically okay. he. They may talk about what they want to write about, but right. he writes the songs, and then Elton puts the music right. to the songs. And it's like, and the thing is, one thing because because of the way Elton John is now, and and by the way. He seems like a really great guy. I think at one point he was voted, uh, well, voted. He was noted to be one of the most generous um, celebrities in Britain. Philanthropy, in, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, Great Britain. He does. He's very generous. Yeah. I mean, he's people worth always a lot of remember money. him from you know, Candle in the Wind. That, right, that. right. But he's but he's active in a, a lot of charities, and he's yeah. a charitable guy. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but if, if you listen, there's a live album that the, he put out in um, seventy in 1970. It's just called Seventeen Eleven Seventy. Okay, and, and uh, it's just it was then his band was just him, bass player D. Murray and drummer Nigel Olson, who both played right. in this on this right. record. Sure. Just a bass player, a drummer, and Elton John. The piano trio, the piano trio, and the album. You listen to it, and it's just amazing. Okay, the, the, the sound that they that but it's these all Bernie Taupin. But it's Bernie Taupin songs. It, it, yeah, right. It's Bernie Taupin songs, but just the, the playing and everything, and, okay. and and the singing and the playing is like so good, and you realize, wow, this guy really. I mean, oh yeah, he's great. I don't have any. I don't have any qualms at all about his musicianship and his his craftsmanship. Right. You know, it's just <laughs> it's not your cup of. Tea. I would, you know, I play the record. I probably play, <laughs> listen to. It you know ten or twelve times, and I would be like, okay. Uh, <laughs> see that it, to me, it's incredible. But because I just came, there's out, a couple uh, of songs uh, that got stuck in my head, and I'll right. talk about that when we get there. Okay. And go, then I went go. through, and, and and you know, I heard some uh, you know influences and stuff that I not. There's one that I didn't have time to dig up where I'm like, okay, that came. I know where that came from, and I can't figure it out. But there's some other ones that are more just like stylistic things where I was like, oh, I I recognize where they got this or where they got right. that. You know, that's they're not you know reinventing the wheel musically. Now, so. do you remember when you were younger? Because well, you're, younger, I should you're say a little before, younger. Oh, right me. off the bat, though, this is a record where I want to tell you a lot of fucking people bought it because of the cover. Oh because, my, that's why I was going to say we have to talk about the cover a little because, because it's incredible. It is incredible. You it's, look at the cover and it presents this you know amazing vision, and you're like. Wow, there's got to be some, you know, there's got to be a pretty special. <laughs> you wouldn't bother to do that for, if it was, uh, right? You know, so it was designed by a pop artist, Alan Aldridge, and right. uh, and it's like fantastic imagery from the, and it's sort of taken from the Renaissance painting, the Garden of Earthly. Adults. Right, right, Bosch, and uh, and yeah, it's one of these things. And and the record, I remember the record came with a lot of stuff. It came with a a booklet that had like um, the the lyrics, but it also had like little. It was almost like a comic book type thing because it right. sort of told their story. Yeah, and then it had another booklet that had like that was called Scraps, which it had snippets of different things about their early uh, stuff, and then yeah. it had a poster of the cover. So I remember you wow, you listening to a package. Yes, it was. It was awesome. Bang for your. It was definitely bang for right. your buck back then. Right. Um, so yeah, I remember just listening to this and then just staring at the, at the, um, album art and then just going through it and looking cause there's so many, uh, there's so much to look at on there. And, uh, so yeah, as a package, it's just, uh, it really is an amazing package and, uh, the band. So real quick, besides Elton John, you have, uh, D Murray, the bass player and right. Nigel Olson, we already yep. mentioned drummer. Davy Johnstone, guitar player. Which right. you, you know of Davy Johnstone. You you must know of him aside from Elton John, right? Do you? Do you know because he was like a renowned. Okay. Once session again, player. once again, my wife came through on that okay. during dinner. I was like, yeah, he played with like on. He played on the concert for George, and you know, he played or with concert for Bangladesh or whatever. Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. Yeah. And there's some on this album. Um, there's some. The production style is very much in a Bob Ezrin style who did uh, um, 
Alice Cooper, who did uh, Lou oh, Reed, right, right, who did right. Kiss Destroyer. There's a there's those things in there, the way it's put together and assembled, has sort of that feel. And there's some of the some of the orchestration and the feel. So they, I think they were listening to those things, right? And it was you know somebody, yeah. You know. Supposedly, yeah. Supposedly, uh, the album before this they did in like two weeks, and right. this one they spent a long time on. Right. They spent a long time crafting it. And also the other musician on there, Ray Cooper, you have to mention because he's all over this. He's a, a percussionist, and he plays. Yeah. He's listed as playing shaker, congas, gong, jawbone, tambourine, bells, beltry, cymbals, triangle, and bongos. bongo. So and yeah. he is all over this record. <laughs> and there you go. There's the ghost of for the, Ray Cooper, uh, when they do the. Uh, I think he's still alive. Do the '60s uh, detective or the '70s detective show. <laughs> all right, so let's get into the record now. Captain Fantastic. All it right. starts out with the first song, Captain Fantastic, the Brown Turf Cowboy, and I will admit right away, it sounds like the Eagles. To- <laughs> oh, is that what it is? No, I mean, yeah. doesn't it? it? When it comes right. in, it could be like the Eagles. True. Until he starts singing. Yeah. The, right. And okay, so that's another one of those. You know, it's production-wise, it's it's of its time where there's a lot of um, there's a lot of ornamentation, right? And there's right, a lot right. of there's a lot of things that are um, things in the mix that just appear as sort of doodads that right, come right. and go in and out Strip of the mix. Strip down is not something you use yeah, a lot all. in this. No, there no, may be no. one or two spots where it is, yeah. but for the most part, it is in, not in fact, down. I, I did think when I was driving out, I listened to my final listen to this record was driving out here, and okay. I thought, oh, you know, I would enjoy this a lot more if it were just him, if it were more like just the band playing and him singing. And not as much of that, like when, the, you know, I hear another Rototom hit and I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah, right, I know you right, wanted me right. to hear that and I heard that, so. <laughs> right, right. But that's not, you know, that's That's, yeah, that's not the, well, that's, that's not, not the, record. the record they no. wanted to make, it's I guess. Obviously, but, yeah. it's not. I, I see what you're saying, though. I, I definitely could see what you're saying. Because this would be completely different if you heard it just like demo version. Okay, where's the demo version of this record where they just play it down in a studio pretty much live and, um, and... But I don't. I don't think they worked that way. No, no. But uh, but still, they're all really. You could tell they're all great players and uh, and musical. There's a lot of really great musical moments on there. Melodies, a lot of great oh, melodies. Sure. So uh, all right. So basically, he's uh, Captain Fantastic is obviously Elton John. So it starts yeah. out Captain Fantastic, raised and regimented, hardly a hero, just someone his mother might know. So this is so this is him. You know, already he's calling himself Captain Fantastic, but he's not right. yet. He's no one knows him yet. And then, um, and then it goes to then he meets the Brown Dirt Cowboy and, and his uh, Brown Dirt Cowboy for its Hey Make and Hey Mom. Mm. Do the papers say anything good? Are there chances yeah. in life for little dirt cowboys? Yeah. Should I make my way out of my home in the woods? Right. Because he, he was a country boy. Like uh, Bernie Taupin, I guess, lived in the countryside, okay. and Elton John was uh, was a, a okay. city boy, more of a city boy. All right. So definitely they they. Uh, they definitely played on that. And it's funny. There, there's a quote from Elton John later that he said, eventually it ended up Elton John became this guy living in mansions and he collected right. art and Bernie Taupin got into uh, horses yeah. and, and had Actually a farm. So stuff, he said yeah. he actually became the Brown Dirt yeah, Cowboy Brown and Elton Cowboy, John became sure. Captain Fantastic. That was his, yeah. uh, that was his thing. <laughs> but uh, this, this song perfectly is, like introduces them and, and their relationship to each other. And they say, it says hand in hand went music and the rhyme, the captain and the kids, Stepping in the ring from here on, sunny, sunny. It's a long, lonely climb, and uh, and the chorus. When it comes in the chorus, it reminded me of a Saturday morning uh, superhero cartoon. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but yeah, that's what it sure. reminds me of. Yeah, Captain Fed from the end of the world to your town. It's like they're coming. Yeah, um, all this. The, the line that intrigued me about this is, and I'm sure there's an explanation somewhere. All this talk of Jesus coming back to see us. Whom couldn't fool us, for we were spinning out our lines, walking on the wire. Um, so somebody must, have, you know, they somebody trying to convert them. I think they came from both of their families. They came from families that were religious family, uh, God fearing family, okay, and, yeah. and neither of them no, bought into that. They didn't. So th- there's a lot that'll come up a lot on the record, like little okay. references to basically that that the they're not, They did not drink. The they aren't believers. Yeah, they're just they're just not believers. Okay, cool. Um, um yeah. The uh, man, and it's a you know, Bernie Taupin, he knows how to write to music, which is great because he's never, you know, 
Elton is, and I'm sure they work together on that, but he's never trying to, and they even talk about working on, in one of the songs about working on a phrase, if you hear us, you know, working on a phrase. Right, right. Because they're trying to, they're tr- trying to make it so it's totally natural, and so right. there's not any, you know, you're it's not ama- rushing along. I was trying to think of, there's other, there, there used to be like in, in um, like, um, Rodgers and Hammerstein, like there's, right. a, there's, there's a history of, uh, Lyric writers and musicians, but sure. in, in rock, there's you don't find a that few. much. Um, Cream's lyric writer was Peter Brown, I oh, think. Oh, okay. Oh, and also uh, Grateful Dead. Did they have some guy that yeah, wrote a lot of lyrics? I should know that. I don't know. I should know that. No, no, no. They did. They did, right? Okay. And also King Crimson had um, Peter Sinfield wrote lyrics ah, for them. Ah, okay. Okay. Up through uh, the first, I don't know, up through... He wrote he wrote the King Crimson lyrics up through the album Islands, and then they uh, got a, another guy began writing lyrics for them after that. So yeah, all right. So let's go into song two is Tower of Babel. Yeah, and uh, right away Tower of Babel, you, know, you could tell this 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 record is not just a collection of pop songs. In fact, for as big as this record was, it only had one single. That's right. Song, Someone saved your right, life because it was the only single. Yeah, because when you're doing a record. That's like this. You have to concept. Fit. It's basically yeah, like a right. concept album. Right. Yeah, like it's like you know, Pinball Wizard was the one off of uh, Tommy, right? Right, right, exactly. But that's not on. That's not on the red. That was the expanded. No, 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 no. <laughs> Talking about from the Who, right? They yeah, did a concept exactly, album. Yes, yes, and that Follow was probably along, like please. Okay, please, I'm please. Sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. I'm drinking. I made us a, a double, so we're. Are they? We're behind the eight ball. Right uh, he didn't tell me that. So I start slurring All my right, words. so uh, it starts out snow, cement, and ivory young towers. Someone called us Babylon, those hungry hunters tracking down the hours. But where were all your <laughs> shoulders when we cried? Were the darlings on the sideline dreaming up such cherished lies to whisper in your ear before you die? Yeah, I remember. Oh, Jesus comes up because Jesus don't save the guys in right. the Tower of ba- right. Babel. Babel. Watch them dig their graves because Jesus don't save the guys in the Tower of Babel. No, no, no. And then um, the line that caught me in here was, um, uh, junk angel, the closet's always stacked, the dealer's in the basement, filling your prescription for a brand new heart attack. And uh, yeah, I thought, uh, yeah. you know. There's some badass lyrics. Bernie wrote there some are. badass yeah, lyrics. Yeah, but they're presented in a way that doesn't, that doesn't, um, that's not aggressive, that doesn't it's make them punk. seem menacing. It's <laughs> no. not punk at all. It's, it's no. Not. But uh, so I guess this is basically the, about the music industry. The yeah, Tower of Babel right, is the music industry, sure. and they're going in. And Jesus, right. don't save the guys. But I feel like they're also including themselves because they realize well, Jesus course. isn't saving them because they're no. getting because they're going in there. They're going into the Tower of Babel, yeah. and they're diving into all this. So yep, it's, yeah, Jesus yes. ain't saving any of them. No. <laughs> all right, and then we get to the third song is a Bitter fingers. fingers. Yep. Yep. And this is uh, this is the early when they first started writing and they were writing and it says uh, I'm I'm going on the circuit yeah I'm doing all the clubs and I really need a song boys to yeah, stir those right. workers a, up right this is uh, and get their wives cutting. to sing it with yeah, me right. just like in the pubs yeah this is definitely someone's there's a scene you remember the scene in the, uh, um what's the Coen Brothers movie uh, with John Goodman in the uh, um, in the hotel. Oh, and he cuts the head off. Raising Arizona? No, 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 no. no. Oh, Blood uh, Simple. No, sorry. <laughs> the one that won at Con, it won like. So there's a scene where the this this guy goes and he wants to be. He's a he's a screen. He writes screenplays and he goes to the studio and <laughs> they the guy the head of the studio in the Hollywood. Um, Gives him a job writing wrestling movies, which was a thing. <laughs> okay, okay, right. So, and you got to—he's got to come in, and you got to hit. Right, he's got to hit. Right. Get into action. And blah, blah, blah. So, this is the version of that where oh, it's got to have a good car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They churn them out. They just got to yeah, churn out these songs, yeah, these yeah. hits. Yeah, and it's like uh, bitter. And then, and basically, yeah, they're saying it's hard to write a song with bitter fingers. So much to prove. So yeah. few to tell you why those old diehards in Denmark Street start laughing at the was keyboard. Was that Denmark Street? That was the place. That's the place, right? Right. Denmark Right, right. And they start laughing at the keyboard player's hollow, haunted eyes. <laughs> Isn't there even a, wasn't there even a Denmark Street Records or a Denmark? I remember seeing singles with like Denmark. So I think that uh, yeah, that's their uh, that's their real uh, um, building. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So they were. So this is them realizing that uh, that uh, this isn't going to get them anywhere. They're not going to get anywhere. A bit of, because if, if 
if they're going to end up hating, you know, writing these music, you know, bitter fingers never swung on swinging stars. That means they're, they're never going to make it to the next level. They're never going to become stars if yeah. they have to write, you know, these stupid songs that they don't believe in. For you know, it's people. just another hit and run and uh, run from the Tin Pan Alley Twins. There's a chance that one day you might write a standard, lad. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you'll write a standard. Right. That, uh, yeah. Engelbert Humperdinkle singers. <laughs> right, Tom Jones. There Who can go. really sing? Oh, well, by the way, don't ever make fun of Tom. I mean, Tom Jones. I have no make... problem with. I have no problem with Tom Jones. A, yeah, yeah that, that, guy, he can really. That sing. man can perform. He can really. He yes. can. So uh, turn him out quick and fast, <laughs> and we'll still pat your backs because we need what you can, what we can get to launch another dozen acts. Are you working? <laughs> so yeah, right. Are you working? Come on. When's, yeah. the, when's the next song, guys? Yeah, sure. What you so, got for me? You're um, only, yeah. only good as the last song. So they did this for a while. They did this for a couple of years, and then late sixties. Uh, right. All right. So this next song, "Tell Me When the Whistle Blows." This is I. I know for a fact that this song is a Bernie Taupin. This is for him, and the only reason I know it is because with the deluxe version of this record, there's a um, there's a live, there's them actually playing, which is it's right. kind of cool. It's them playing the entire album live. Yeah, and I should like, listen to that. You know what? I realized, I realized, I, sh- I realized that was probably out there, well, and that's it, probably what I should have listened. It's to. It's weird though because it's not this band though because he fi- right after this record he fired most of the band. He only kept Davy Johnstone and the percussion player. He fired the bass player and the drummer. So, so the old it's a Billy new, Joel routine. I, I don't know. You know what uh, they said? Mr. Elton is going to be on the plane by himself. You know what today. they said? He was like burnout and yeah. exhausted. So it ended up. So it's his new band, but it's kind of cool because he's telling the audience. He goes, "We're gonna." He goes, "I, I know people hate this." He goes, "We have a new record out. I know they hate it, but but screw you. We're, we're going to play, play the, the entire thing. record. Right. But it is. But it is pretty great. Right. But so he says that this song is basically uh, Bernie Taupin, and it's about. I think it's about the uh, country kid because it references the country kid Bernie. It's me when the whistle blows and did you get the lyrics like at first i thought it was about him leaving for the first time taking the train into the city yeah but it's actually i think about him going home like realizing that he has to go home right he has to see because he says uh me i'm young and i'm so wild and i still feel the need well the street yeah well your apron strings once in a while well the street kids remember can i still shoot a fast cue has this country kid still got his soul so you know yeah, so he's going. So he's basically, yeah, he's going back home once in a while. He he goes home. He takes the train home, and uh, take my money. Tell me when the whistle blows. He's, yeah. he's just he's he's going home just to see you know j- just so he doesn't totally feel like he's he's losing his uh, browner cowboyishness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. So let's. Uh, I think this is a good point to take a little break. Yep. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll refresh our drinks and do whatever, and we'll be back in a minute. This episode of That Record Got Me High is sponsored by the online webcomic strip Is This Tomorrow? That's Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com. It says here, appearing online since 2003, Is This Tomorrow is a weekly comic strip featuring absurdist humor and silly. I'm having a little trouble reading this handwriting. Uh, absolutely free with no advertising or paywalls hundreds of comics in the online archive something something autobiographical comics by Woody Compton hours of entertainment for discerning readers like you that's the is this tomorrow webcomic new comic every Monday is this tomorrow Dot com. Three, two, one, and we are back from our break. All right, here we are. That record got me high, and we are talking about Elton John. I, I feel kind of bad almost. That, that was, was like, uh, no. You know, I'm going to... We. The, not Wait, every record gets you high. Yeah, but this one definitely got me hundred exactly. percent. Got me high, and so then, we had to do it. This was on my my list for sure. So cool, we're gonna man. have to do it. Yeah, right. All right. So now we get the 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 single, of the song, which is crazy. This was like a huge single, and it's when we six- do that Mister Rogers album of him. <laughs> That I love. Yes, you're gonna you're gonna have to listen I'll, to it. Yes, I will. I will, and I'll try not to roll my eyes too much. Song about the new baby. I love this. It's really great. <laughs> All right, this this song is "Someone Saved My Life Tonight," which was the only single from the record. And I will. Do you did you know this that this is one of Paul Westerberg? Paul Westerberg. Uh, 
all-time favorite song. I did not he know that. He is quoted as saying that. He was a big Elton John fan, but uh, he said this is one of his all-time Which is why you songs. like The Replacements so much. Maybe. Maybe yeah, it is. I don't know. There. We both, yeah, it's, it's baked in there somewhere. But yeah. um, it, it, this is a semi-autobiographical story about his disastrous engagement to yeah, Andrew yeah. Woodrow. Mm-hmm. You read that, right? And, yes. uh, and his related 1968 suicide attempt. Oh, that I did not know. Yes, yeah. So it's a dark song. Yeah, basically, he was living uh, with Bernie Taupin and this woman, uh, Linda Woodrow, in, uh-huh. in a flat. And he was engaged. He was going to get married. But he was, he was miserable. But he because had a at this secret. Point, yeah, well, it's amazing. He still hadn't come out yet. That and it's was, like, when you look yeah. at Elton John, you're thinking, yeah. really? Did he have to come out? But not he really. didn't. He didn't. So basically, he was miserable. And the someone in the song refers to a guy named Long John Baldry. Right. Who was a good friend of him and convinced yeah. him to break off the engagement because it was just going to ruin his 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 career and his, and he'd yeah. be in an unhappy ma- right. a, a marriage. But yeah, he did. He did actually try to. And it's funny when he talks about it. It's well, funny. Unha- unhappy marriages and and the English go together. It's like oh, hand, do they? Hand in glove, <laughs> yeah. I think, right? Okay. He had a really funny story uh, about the suicide attempt because he said he referred to this as a. Woody Allen suicide attempt because he what he did was he stuck his head in a gas stove oh, but shit. the windows all the windows in the apartment right, were open so he gonna, said yeah. so Bernie Talbot came in and said well like what, what are, you are you doing, doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. let me close these windows for you but um yeah but the song you want to do this let's do it right <laughs> just but strike a match but it's really got um uh beautiful the lyrics are really beautiful and uh it uh, um it is and it but it does not speak well of the woman no 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 it, it, it doesn't. Me. Yeah, because he says, uh, well, he starts out, when I think of those East End nights, muggy nights, the curtains drawn in the little room downstairs. Yeah. Prima donna, Lord, you really should have been there, sitting like, like a, a princess, princess perched in her electric, electric chair. chair. Yeah, and it's one more beer and I don't have to hear you anymore. Yep. So, yeah, he's not, you know, he's not, ha- he's, <laughs> he's not fond memories of this woman. So, but maybe she was, you know, maybe she had, uh, um, she was compelling, you know, or bossy or just a controlling person. And he fell for it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I would say it's probably more of that, more of the latter. But um, the amazing thing I think about this was how much I love this song. And as a 12 year old, I had no idea what yeah, the what song was, was about on. at all. No. What was going on? I just no, thought no. it was like, really, it sounded kind of sad, but then sort sure. of uplifting away because he says, because right. well, yeah. uh, someone saved my life tonight. Uh, you almost had your hooks in me. Yeah. You nearly had me roped and tied. Alter Sweet bound. freedom whispered in my ear. You're a butterfly. Butterfly. <laughs> butterflies are free to, to fly. fly. But it wasn't. It wasn't uh, Sweet Freedom. It was actually what's his Long John Baldry. Yeah, Long John Baldry. And uh, and Elton, yeah, Elton. I have to tell you something. Come with me. This <laughs> is very important. Come out now. And it's amazing. Don't though, be a fool, man. This song is really long. It's almost seven minutes long, but yeah, it, but it, it really it doesn't seem it because no. it's just really. It's yeah. just a good song, and it's right. just so well written and well. Uh, it's got so many great melodies, and it's got this little part in the middle that it you, it doesn't even have to have. It has like a a bridge that comes in. Uh, Someone saved my life tonight. Right, so save right. your strength. Like right. it has like an extra like part in it that yeah. sort of lifts it up again, you know. And it's just it's really good. It's a really good song. Just a pawn outplayed. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. By a dominating queen. The- <laughs> and not he's not talking about himself. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> right. Maybe he learned like later. It's like oh. <laughs> Um, how many tortured gay souls have we covered so far? We've had oh, a few. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Or, that's yeah, in, in rock sure. music. That's a well, especially in the especially in the era that we were growing up. That was, uh, it wasn't right. Acceptable they had to keep it. Yeah, because well, that was part of what glam was about. Was sort of allowing that to be. <laughs> you know, okay. are they <laughs> right? Yeah, right, right. Oh, God. All right, so that's the end of side one. That song ends side one. Uh, now we go into side two, and it's got to get a meal ticket. Now, this one is a earworm for me because this one actually would get stuck in my head because it's yeah, got a dry, yeah. it's sort of groovy, right. driving. Uh, um, soulful. Soulful, Gallagher, yeah. yeah, yeah got, some, got some rock and guitars in there. Right. 
And and actually, so the song, this is when they basically took the plunge and started writing for for themselves or for himself. You know, they they started playing the the game. You know, but right. for themselves. And it, yeah, it's funny when you think about themselves because the thing is, Bernie Taupin, the whole. He's sort of he, he he's always kept himself well kept himself because he, he's not a musician. Right. But I'm sure there are tons of Elton John fans that love Elton John that don't even know about Bernie Taupin. <laughs> they don't. They have his records oh, and he stuff. He writes and, those greatest songs like no, no, he, yeah, he doesn't yeah. write those lyrics because no. he's yeah. But they're, they're uh, definitely a joint effort. And uh, so this is basically I got uh, the meal ticket is the basically the. Record deal. Of course. Yeah, the record deal. Uh, when the line's been signed, you're someone else. So who are you? Right. You're Elton John now. Yeah, right. He became when Elton did he, John. So tell me the story of, well, like, when did he go from being Reginald to being Elton John? Like in uh, 70, like a little before, like I said, they started writing in 67, and then for a couple of years they were writing for other people, and then they decided, he decided, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to okay. be an artist, but I can't be, you know, this guy. I got to be nom uh, de plume. Elton John. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is it's great. great. Yeah, actually, it, it suits him, and you would. Yeah, it does suit him. Yes, definitely. Uh, so, for better or worse, he signed himself over and became Elton John and got his meal ticket. Yeah, no regret, no regret. When the line's been signed, you're someone else. Do yourself a favor. The meal ticket does, does the, rest. the rest. Which is um, maybe maybe for him it worked out, but for a lot of people, the record deal. No, it doesn't. I read just recently he's worth five hundred million dollars. There's a lot, and there's probably a lot of like a lot of times it's licensing and big tours. Yeah, that right. are um, you know if you get your if someone well he did uh, Disney stuff too though the, exactly he did the Disney yeah house, I mean so, just yeah. from those record deals. David Bowie was basically broke up until he got away from Main Man because Isn't that amazing the deal he had with that guy with Tony DeVri- DeVries he was just getting screwed oh, wow. and he had you know um, up until Let's Dance he did not get his meal ticket Let's before. Dance was his first <laughs> I think post that contract wow uh, and so he made a shit ton of money off Let's Dance but before that like you know those great records Scary Monsters all those records from whatever space oddity the scary monsters is all under the thumb of Tony DeVries. Wow. God damn it. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> the next song, this is my favorite, uh, if not my favorite, one of my favorites on the record. Better off dead. Better off dead. Uh, it, this song has a really cool sound to it. Now what's, what's the, the snare drum in this town? I figured. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Song. I was, I was, is it like a, a gate? Is it like a gate, like super gated snare had, or what is it? They, I don't know if, ga- if they were using gates then, or they were using some sort of some sort of trigger thing. Yeah, it's got like it's, a crack, like a crack it's sound. Got a weird, yeah, uh, weird, it's got a. I, I was I was listening to it on the way out here, going, yeah, I wonder what they used for that. Um, uh, and I, the answer is I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay, but uh, it's cool because the song is catchy and dark at the same time. Uh, um, so it starts out. There was a face on a hoarding that someone had drawn on. And just enough time for the night to pass by without warning. Away in the distance. A blue light flashing, yeah. Someone's in trouble somewhere tonight. Somewhere tonight. As the flickering neon stands ready to fuse, the wind blows away all of yesterday's news. Well, they've locked up their daughters. They've batten the hatches. They always could find us, but but they never could catch us through the grease-streaked windows of an all-night cafe. So uh, this is more about, sounds more like... uh, uh, Street life, right, 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 and and this is them. This is them, like in the thick of it all now. They're, they're okay. They're, I, I, I think they're in, um, they're in the middle of it all, you know. And uh, okay, and and basically they have um, fortune. They're starting to get the fortune and fame, and they're starting to hang around with all the beautiful people. But there's a line when he says, uh, "If you ask how I am, then I'll just say inspired." Yeah. If the thorn of a rose is the thorn in your side, then you're better off dead if you haven't yet died. Yeah. So basically, the the thorn of the rose, which is the fame, is the thorn in your side. So it of sort of course. comes the the yeah, thing that you that you uh, wish for and struggled for so long. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's nothing's going to come without a price. Bill Murray has said, I think it's a famous his probably maybe one of his most famous quotes was, "If you have a choice between being rich and famous or just rich." Take rich. Take rich, yeah. <laughs> because you never are, you can't get away. You get an air, you know, you're going to, right, right. You're never going to get away. Yep, yep. So that's, uh, yeah, that's what I think it is. And that's a great, uh, that whole, uh, uh, that whole, um, those line about, 
if the thorn of a rose is a thorn in your side, then yeah. you're off dead if you haven't yet died. I, right. I love that. That's really, I think that's really great. And well, uh, and but by this time, you know, they were. Ma- I think they were. You know, they were selling out big. Oh yeah, yeah, no, he yeah, was a huge star. He was huge, yeah. yeah. It's on TV all the time. Exactly, and right, I couldn't yeah. tell you. If Bernie Taupin walked in the front door here and said, "I know," I'd be like, but I think that's the doing? kind of the kind of person he was. Elton John, by all accounts, Elton John was someone that d- desperately wanted to be famous. Yeah, he wanted to be famous. Yeah. Bernie Taupin, I think, was just all about the writing and all that. But but it's just really amazing the relationship they had, and and for so he long. auditioned to be in King Crimson when they were, uh, I believe, after the. Yeah, really? He did. I did this I did not. And it was in Robert Fripp's diary. I think he uh, he, he wrote some disparaging remarks about Tin Pan Alley singer that came in. Oh, that's right. Something I, I don't know exactly yeah. what the I don't know exactly what the quote was, but it was something along the lines of you know, no, this is not for well, he who laughs last. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so now we get into the eighth Robert song. Who. <laughs> The eighth song is writing. Yeah, and this is this is basically this song is sort of acknowledging the. Relationship they have. This is what you were talking about before. Yeah, right. They uh, this is they they understand that they need each other, and at the end of the day, they'll just keep writing together because it's because it's like what they do. It's what they do best. Right. So he says uh, they didn't have Dropbox. It's enough. That's right. It's enough to make you laugh, relax in a nice cool bath. Inspiration for navigation of our newfound craft. Yeah. I know you, and you know me. It's always, always half, half and half. half. Yeah, yep, sure. The music and the uh, and the lyrics. So. Um, um, the way they're credited, and we do talk about this, are they? Uh, I'm guessing that they share the publishing royalties. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like John Lennon, Paul McCartney, oh, okay, yeah. but it's real. But it's funny. John Lennon, Paul McCartney is different because they were you, by, both writing lyrics. Yeah, you knew, and but uh, and also you knew, like, okay, John wrote this one, Paul wrote this one, but they all decided to call it that. But this, when they say yeah. Elton John, Bernie Taupin, it really is Elton John, Bernie Taupin. Yeah. It is always the music and the and the words together. And uh, so now, and then it takes us, this whole, the whole end of this uh, record is basically sort of a celebration of their relationship together. Okay. And it, it uh, so it, it goes to, we all fall in love sometimes, which yeah. you think is just like a love song. But if you really get into it, did you kind of get what this song is really about? <sighs> Help me out. Bro. Okay. Help a brother wise, out. Wise men say it looks like rain today. It cracked on the speakers and trickled down the sleepy subway trains. For heavy eyes could hardly hold us. Aching legs that often right, told right. us it's all worth yeah, it. Obviously, there we all those, fall in love. Them, yeah. But he has said he he loved Bernie Taupin. He yeah. said he loved it, and they had a relationship that is not sexual. Right. Not it was a platonic relationship, but it was a, it was a relationship of of love. Like they loved each other and they yeah. understood each other. And it's like basically Na- yeah, naive yeah. notions that were childish, simple tunes that tried to hide it. But when it comes, we all fall in love sometimes. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's cool. We uh, we wrote it and it says we wrote it and I played it. So he's saying it right there. We wrote it and I played yeah. it. Something happened. It's so strange, this feeling. Naive notions that were childish. Simple tunes that tried to hide it. But when it comes, we all fall in love sometimes. Yeah. So it's like they fell in love with the with the process of writing together. And then right. and that they realized. So it's almost like, like someone finding their soulmate. You found your soulmate. Right. But, but not your it's soulmate not a, in yeah, love. But no. it's your soulmate in, sure. in music. And, and in writing songs. Soulmate. Yeah, sure. creative soulmate. So it's a love song to creativity. And this is all very gay, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Well, I you know. Bro. <laughs> no, it, it does read that. It does read that way. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, it yeah. does. It does read as more than just you know platonic. But I, I, I think that maybe that was done. Yeah, because because just to say, and, and people don't know, Bernie Taupin was well, heterosexual, yeah, totally. and he was He's been married he was married. Times. Yeah, well, he, and and at this time when they met, he was married already. So he was married. Yeah, yeah. So Anjan knew, you know, where the sure. you know, where he stood. All right, so this song goes right. It goes right into the final song, "Curtains," and it yeah. sort of goes together because "Curtains" is a continuation of this song. Okay. And when he says at the beginning, "I used to know this old scarecrow," did you know the very first song they wrote together for that thing was called "Scarecrow"? Oh no, I did not. I know. But I, okay. know I, I get really deep you into this stuff, shit, Barry. You know, it's your thing, man. <laughs> it's your thing. You uh, you bring the you bring the you bring the obscure facts. <laughs> So I used to know this old scarecrow. He was my song, my joy and sorrow. Okay, so that was the first song they wrote together. And this song is just like a 
summation of their of their bond. Like I said, yeah. their bond together, and it's also like the, it's almost like a wish for the listener to hopefully you could find someone. Maybe you'll find yeah. your perfect partner. Okay, but he says cultivate the freshest flower this garden ever grew. Beneath these branches, I wrote. I once wrote such childish words for you, but that's okay. There's treasure children always seek to find, and just like us, you must have had a once upon a time. So, is he saying about you know about this Bernie saying to him, you know, one, I, I used to write stuff for you that was you know imp, not imp, well young you know as a young writer. You write about different things than you do as an older writer. Right, right. Yes, I think Unless so. Unless you're the angry Samoans. <laughs> <laughs> and you're 30 and you're still writing you're a song about, about Hitler's, cock. Hitler's cock. <laughs> oh, God, that's so perfect. <laughs> They're 30? Yes, what? I think you're right because sometimes it's hard to remember that that these words are basically, even though Elton's singing them, they right. do come from Bernie. That, and well, yeah, I think Susan and I were talking about that at dinner. Is it how there's a seamless blending of personalities there? Right. And I got to say, Susan really should have been in on this podcast. She, we, by the way. And to truth yeah. be told, I brought that up, and you know, she's not. I, I know my wife well enough. She's does, is not going to get on here, and or she or you and she would get in an argument, and then it would be like, <laughs> what am I going to oh, do? That now? would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, because that's yeah. happened before, actually, as you recall. <laughs> um, so the. Um, what was where was this you know where was this going you were saying that bernie uh, bernie is saying like yeah like i used to write these childish words sure, but sure. oh no the seamless blending of personalities uh you know without roger daltrey pete townsend would not have there would not have been right correct right yeah he exactly. needed that guy was able to embody those lyrics in a way that fucking townsend couldn't couldn't you, do yeah no. do you, something that you he couldn't do even though as brilliant as he was and as great he was he they would yeah no. he couldn't, he, he couldn't yeah. put that into a you couldn't make a character that was convincing right and right. it would make you go oh you know wow you know that's a powerful song because you when you hear pete townsend do those songs you're like okay you know th- those are good but there's a reason that yeah, right exactly and and that's yeah that's why that's why uh, uh, records that we especially that we're going to do on this it's just these people that that catch lightning that that find someone else like exactly. a, yeah like someone that 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 brings something more out of them, and that does something that they can't do. That yeah, compliment, man. they complement each other. The mysterious, uh, mysterious uh, uh, chemistry. Right, right. That so, just works. So I think at the end, when he's saying, and and uh, just like us, you must have had a once upon a time. So yeah. he's basically saying, you know, maybe you've had a dream. Maybe you you'll find someone. Right. You think? You know? Oh, you think he's talking outwards to the audience? I think he is. I think he is because okay. it does, because he's saying uh, at the end, it just got that outro, and that outro okay. is very uplifting sounding right. outro. And I think they are. So it's kind of like a celebration yeah like a celebration of uh of you know just these songwriters that like found each other and that wouldn't have been i mean that guy at the original whoever i forget that guy's name that put them together right i mean imagine right, that right. he said ah well this guy's a good musician but he writes shitty words right. and this guy only writes writes these weird poems you get chocolate in my peanut butter <laughs> You got peanut butter in my chocolate. Exactly. So you get a Reese's peanut butter cup. And we got Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. All right. So that's it. We did it. That's the record. Um, yeah. I'm I'm glad we uh, we did this. Like my 12-year-old my totally self. Different. Yeah. Totally different thing. Because everything we've done up until now has been like rock. Yeah. Like yeah. Record. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And this is yeah. pop. It this is, is pop, a pop and country. It's got some country in yeah, it. Actually, I heard got... a little Super Tramp. Heard and I don't know whether her Super Tramp's hearing them or they're hearing Super Tramp, but there's one point where I'm like, "Oh, that's Super Tramp." Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, how far does Super Tramp go back that far? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. But you know what? Now, when we did last week with Chuck Livid, Chuck yeah. said, "Oh, that's an awesome record." Right. Which so. shocked me that he said that. Maybe he was confused. What? <laughs> what this record? <laughs> yes. When I said we were doing this record, Chuck Livid said he, that's an Chuck, awesome record. I think Chuck. Just got it going on. Maybe so. he's confusing it with an Angry Samoans I record or a Queers so. record or something. I think that he's probably <laughs> yeah, has yeah, a broader yeah. spectrum than you might. No, no, no. Yeah, I was, I was, ha- and and there are. I've, I've met, I've met people. Because the thing is, I when I was twelve years old. By the way, I also bought. Uh, I, I had my record collection consisted of. I had like Foghat Live. I had uh, the e- I had, everybody. I think I, yeah. Right, Foghat Live. All right, but I had the Eagles Hotel California, yeah. which I love. But I'm not. I have news for you. We're not doing Hotel California no, in this podcast. No. And I don't listen. I don't need to listen to that ever again. I'll still listen to this record. Again, but I don't need to listen to that record. The only so, reason to do Hotel California, I'm going to tell you, it's because the song 
Life in the Fast Lane. Oh, that's a great song. It's a it great is a great song. song. No, it's got great songs on it. It is, but, well, that, but you, know, it's you don't just even know where this. I'm going with this. Go you ahead, don't even go know. Go ahead, go ahead. Is ripped from a Bob Dylan song that was on the basement tapes, not the ones that were released, but Life on the, the cassettes. Life in the Fast Lane? Is a, there's a song by the Dylan recorded with the band in the basement of the Pink House in Woodstock, New York in 66 called Under Control. And the the tapes circulated freely. They were always bootlegs. They were always, you know, bootleg tapes out there. And so the first time I heard all of those and I heard the song Under Control, I was like, wow, this sounds really familiar. And you do an A-B with Life in the Fast Lane and you're like, oh, Life in the Fast Lane's a Joe Walsh song, right? Uh, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. And you go, oh, he heard he this. He heard that. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, he heard right, it, and he was like, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll drop box it to you. All right, awesome. So you so, heard that, and you went, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I went, oh, I know where that came from. Yeah, there's not, and I played it for Susan. She was like, what? It, that's, that's Life in the Fast Lane. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's Life in the Fast Lane. Oh, nice. So next week, we have uh, uh, another guest. Yeah, this is awesome. It is awesome. Someone that... I have not seen in person since probably 1987, but we started interacting on the magic of Facebook a few years back. Uh, Steve Mishner from uh, the band uh, Big Dipper. He's a bass player and one of the principal Such songwriters. And he um, is a cool cat, lives out in Oswego, Oregon. And, and we're going to, uh, he's going to phone in next week. And the record we're going to talk about is. Uh, first record by the Modern Lovers, Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, and uh, which is an absolutely a stone stunning, cold classic, soup to nuts masterpiece, untouchable uh, piece of work that is going to be great to talk about, and it'll be great to have Steve's take on that. Yeah, that's great. I was living up up in uh, Massachusetts in uh, in the late eighties, uh, eighty five to ninety. I lived up there in Big Dipper, where the shit man. They were a great yeah, band, man. and they were all over. He the was place. also in the original version of the Volcano Sons with Peter Prescott. Peter he Prescott's was, band, also another was, but excellent he, band. They never recorded. Uh, uh, he and Gary Wallach um, left and formed Big Dipper before. Uh, the Volcano Sun's ever recorded, but oh, okay, so okay. we'll talk with Steve about that too. But right, uh, I'm cool. really looking forward to it. All right, great. So don't forget, you guys, you can email us at uh, trgmh33 at gmail.com. Right, or go to our website thatrecordgotmehigh.com, where all of our episodes are, and the album artwork, and uh, probably a link to listen to the uh, record in particular if you don't own it. And uh, so. Go check that out. Um, that, that's been my creation, and uh, I want you to I want it to make it easy for people to enjoy it. Remember, when you listen to our episodes, to please to please share. Yeah, share it. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review. If you listen to us on iTunes or something, yeah, for, for real. We got, you know, our pal Woody put a review. We're starting up there. to get some traction. We're doing the the live thing now at Laser Wolf once a month. Yeah. So you know, this is happening. You know, basically, this is our. Retirement fund, we're hoping. So, yeah. <laughs> this is it for us. <laughs> if this bombs out, it's, I don't know. No, no, we really, uh, I'm, I've been enjoying doing this so much. It's awesome, yeah. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. All right. He's always stoned. He's never straight. I saw you today, you know, walk by with hippie Johnny. Look, I had a call up and say... I want to take his place. See, he's stoned. Hippie Johnny.